TC Hill is not a doctor and does not claim to be a doctor or licensed in any type of medical field. Don't be an idiot and use anything heard on the show as medical advice. This information should be used for educational purposes only and you should contact your doctor for any medical advice. Now get off me. Hey, hey, how's everybody doing? All right, so today we're going to talk a little bit about if you have trouble improving bioflow. And uh, we did a, a talk like this before about the, with HCL, and I'll kind of point you to where you can find that one here in just a bit. <clears throat> but, but it seems to be a really helpful episode because, you know, most people, when they're looking to fix digestion, they'll just start beet flow and HCL and some enzymes, and they just kind of move through it and everything goes great, and they start to see improvements, and it's jolly fun. But some folks have trouble when they're starting HCL, and uh, a much smaller percentage of people have trouble when they start beet flow or they start taking steps to improve bioflow and we'll talk about that in just a second too um, but we also want to talk about today what do you do if you're trying to improve bioflow and you're not seeing the improvement that you're hoping to see so when we're talking about this we're kind of assuming you know that you guys know the importance of bioflow and what we're talking about and you read that in one of my books or in one of our courses so if you don't know what we're talking about you can go to kickitnaturally.com forward slash book and you can download my book kick your fat and the nuts for free and that'll kind of walk you through the steps to fix digestion and to understand what aspects of digestion might need some help and uh, we can kind of figure that out so we're going to talk about that today and we're also going to talk about some uh, we'll answer some questions that some uh, KIY members posted in the in the support group um, on this topic and some other topics too and we'll dig into that and if anybody has live questions while we're doing this they can pop those in there and we'll do that too but with bioflow if you don't understand that it's it's really crucial to have bile flowing correctly because it's it's 50% of the major processes of digestion. There's a lot of aspects of digestion, but the main aspects are um, stomach acid and bile flow. And uh, we need bile flow to help us neutralize the acid that leaves the stomach. So all that food gets kind of melted down with the acid and it's really hot and when it leaves. We need bile to neutralize that acid. Otherwise, the acidic product moves into our intestinal tract. And that acidic product is made to break down protein. Well, that's what our intestinal tract is made of. So that's not good. You don't want to digest your intestinal tract. So we need bile dropping down from the gallbladder onto this acid product leaving the stomach to kind of neutralize it. And this alkaline bile hitting that acid creates this sizzle that kind of breaks all the food apart. And that's what we're living off of. That's what allows us to pull all the minerals and nutrients out of the food that we're eating. And it, it makes everything just kind of function. So this is a really big deal just for that aspect. But then also, the liver filters all this junk out of our body. And then it puts it into the bile. So... It puts it into the bile, and then the bile flows out through the intestinal tract, and it goes out the back door, and that's how the body removes filth. That's the main exit strategy for filth in the body is uh, putting it out through the bile. So what happens is for a lot of reasons our bile can get too thick and sticky, and it just doesn't flow correctly, and then uh, it gets backed up. And so now you don't have the bile flow to neutralize acids, and uh, this uh, bile is also what we need 
to emulsify our fats or to break them down. It's what helps us digest nutritional fats that we consume. And if we can't emulsify those and break them down, then uh, we, they go undigested and they start to rot and ferment and create all kinds of problems. So we want all this action happening for a, a lot of reasons. It's poor bioflow it can lead to a lot of problems. So let's look at some of the signs that we see when, uh, when bile is not flowing correctly because uh, there's a lot of reasons that it could get too thick and sticky. We'll talk about some of those today. But um, it can be a little bit tricky to understand if bile is flowing or not. You know, low stomach acid is pretty easy to tell. The signs and symptoms are, are pretty much in your face. But sometimes with bile flow, it's not as cut and dry. So if we have chronic loose stools or diarrhea, these are all issues that you'll see if bile is not flowing correctly. And not everybody experiences all these. Some people might experience one or two so it can be a little tricky and and they'll think oh well I don't have low stool loose stools so my bile must be flowing correctly but that's not accurate at all that's these are just possible signs so chronic loose stool or diarrhea light colored stool like lighter than the color of corrugated cardboard uh, passing gas especially if it's foul gas and people are like what is wrong with you why why are you so disgusting that's a good sign that bile is not flowing correctly uh, if you're experiencing nausea or acne or other skin issues, uh, weight gain. If saliva pH is below 6.5, that's a really strong sign that bile is not flowing correctly. And if we're looking at high blood pressure or low blood pressure, and kind of for totally different reasons, um, when the body can't remove filth through the bile, it kind of stays in the system. And then it kind of gets the blood all dirty and it kind of makes it thicker and then it's harder to push through the system and it takes more pressure to push it so blood pressure goes up. But at the same time, if you don't have bile flowing, you won't be able to fully break apart that food like we talked about and you won't be able to pull all the minerals out of what you're eating and then minerals in the system can go very low and then blood pressure can go very low. So it can be either way for totally different reasons. Um, another thing is we do these 10 parameter dipsticks that you can buy on Amazon. Uh, I can put the link in the, in the notes here and on the show notes of this uh, podcast episode so that you can see what we're talking about. But you can just get on Amazon and they have like 10 different things you can look at. And you just, it's just a, like a urinalysis dipstick. So you just pee in a cup and you dip this stick in there, stick in there. And if you see belly, bilirubin or urobilinogen on that 10-parameter dipstick, those are really strong signs that bile is not flowing correctly and things are kind of backed up and, and not going so great. So if this is the issue, if we're looking at any of these things or we're dealing with any of these problems, then the first place that we start is we use a product called Beat Flow from Empirical Labs. And uh, it's basically has a lot of concentrated beet green juice in it. That's the part that really helps thin the bile and get it going. So don't use a beet root capsule. That's never going to help. It doesn't do anything. So beet flow has a lot of concentrated beet greens juice. And I think it was Carly in the group that said that she made beet greens jello and her husband thought that she was nuts for making that. And He'll think that you're even more nuts when you have to eat as much uh, Jello shots as you would consume in ten fraternity parties, you know, worth of Jello shots that you're going to have to have each day to get what you would get by just using 
of the concentrated beet green juice that's found in beet flow. So people sometimes will try to, you know, oh, I'll just I'll just eat some beet greens, but you have to eat like a bucket of beet greens every day. You basically have to be a horse. So you're probably not going to want to do that. And so we try to take the easier steps and we just use this beet flow and it works really well. Um, so what we do is we just use uh, two or three capsules per meal of this beet flow. And, and for some people, that will be enough to get bile thinning. Now for others, they need to go a step further and do what we call a beet flow flush, where you basically take... Uh, four beet flow capsules every 30 minutes for two hours. And this is just like a, a one-time event. This is not a, a each dose or a daily thing kind of thing. It's just something that you would do um, to give yourself a little boost, to kind of get the bile thinning and, and flowing a little bit. And for a lot of people, that will be enough. If they just use it with meals and do a beet flow flush one time, they'll kind of get things going again. Some people need to do a beet flow flush every five, six, seven days or so for a few weeks, and uh, and that'll be enough to get things going. So, if you're taking these steps, keep in mind that if if you're not seeing the improvements that you want to see, you may have taken the right steps, but that doesn't mean that you've taken enough steps for you and your unique bioindividuality. Does that make sense? So. If your bile has been backed up for a decade and uh, you have all these other things going against you, you're making a lot of wrong moves that it continues to thicken up the bile, and we'll talk about some of these here in a second, uh, then just using beet flow or doing a beet flow flush is not going to be enough to get things going. So there's some ways that we can turbocharge this a little bit beyond removing what may be causing the problem. <clears throat> we could use something called choline. And you can find this in most health food stores or on Amazon and such. Um, but it can be a little boost. So we like to use it at the beet flow flush. At the end of a beet flow flush, in that last dose of beet flow that you're taking, um, we like to add two choline capsules or tablets. And, and that can give a bit of a boost. And a person could also use choline, you know, maybe once or twice a day. Uh, but the problem is that choline and can really slow down the breath rate. It can make it slower. It can alkalize the bloodstream a little bit. So in our books and courses, we teach people how to run these self-tests, and one of them is uh, how to look at your breath rate. So if you count your uh, exhales for a minute, and they are less than 12, then that's looking a little low. So you might, might not want to use a lot of choline because that could lower your breath rate and create some oxygen utilization issues and, and we don't want to have that. But if your breath rate is higher, 16, 17, uh, you may be able to use some choline and that may help get the, the bile thin and flowing a little bit. But the most effective step we see is we use uh, coffee suppositories or have people do coffee enemas. And some people kind of freak out at the coffee enema. I got to put it up the back door. Can I just drink coffee? And no, drinking coffee is, is not going to do the same thing. Uh, you would have to do an actual coffee enema, and that kind of freaks some people out. So we also use these coffee suppositories, which is much easier. Some people may not love that idea of going in the back door either, but it's a lot easier to do and not as messy and all that stuff as a, as a, a coffee enema would be. Um, and they're called uh, Xenoplex. You can find them at naturalreference.com where you can also find beet flow and all the other things that we talk about. Um, but basically the most effective thing we see people do is they do a beet flow flush on one day 
And then the next day, they do a Xenoplex Coffee Suppository. And then they do that combo once a week for, you know, a few weeks until you get bile flowing again. And what it's doing is basically the beet flow is working to thin the bile so it'll flow better. And the coffee suppository or a coffee enema will work to dilate that biliary pathway. So think about it like there's a little tube that the bile flows through. And um, if you can make the bile thinner, it's easier to flow through that tube, right? Well, if you could dilate or open up that tube a little bit, that would make it flow through even easier. So that's what the coffee enema or coffee suppository is doing. And so when we see tough cases, we like to see people doing this combo once a week until they get the improvement um, that you're looking for. If you want to learn how to look at your own chemistry to get a better idea of how your unique body is operating, sign up for our KIY or Kick It Yourself membership. Not only do you gain access to our four-week digestion course and our 12-week flagship Kick Your Fat course that normally sells for $129, you also get free shipping at naturalreference.com. Restrictions apply, but since the membership is only $9 a month, it can pay for itself. You'll also have access to a reference system like you've never seen before and a members-only private support group where you can get feedback from coaches I've trained and I even show up to do live Q&A videos on a monthly basis. To see more features and sign up, go to kickitnaturally.com forward slash K-I-Y. That's K-I-Y. So let's look at a couple of questions. Uh, we'll dig into these as we go through some of these topics. And Bree in the group said... I guess my biggest question is, how do I know if bile is flowing properly? I, I've been taking beet flow for a month and not sure if I've seen a change. Weight loss is still super slow, like 0.5 per week at most, half a pound per week. That's still going in the right direction, Bree. That's, that's kind of what you want. Um, try not to shoot for the, the three to five pounds a week. It's not realistic. And usually when people are doing that, unless they have a lot of weight to lose, um, they're, they're often losing weight the wrong way that's going to come back and and, and add that weight back on. Um, anyway, she says, uh, I've helped some of my constipation with HCL, but still not going every day. So what would be the marker where I can say that bile is now flowing properly? And at what point can uh, my body take over and I can stop taking beet flow? So to answer this, let's look at some of the things that can thicken up bile um, and make it not flow as well. So... Uh, sometimes it's, it's more about removing one of these problems. And uh, one of the biggest problems is uh, birth control with any type of hormonal aspect to it, where it's, you know, raising hormones. Because a lot of those will raise estrogen, and estrogen is a stress hormone, and estrogen seems to have the ability to thicken bile so it won't flow correctly. So when we see these girls with major bile flow issues, a lot of times they're on birth control or were for a long period of time. Um, so that can be one thing. And so we're using beet flow, which is a natural substance. So if you're trying to overpower a pharmaceutical drug with a natural supplement, it's like standing in front of a locomotive and just saying like, stop. And you're holding a hammer. I have a hammer. So stop. You know, like a hammer is an excellent tool, but it's not going to overpower a, a locomotive. Do you understand what I'm saying? So the drugs are, are way too powerful to overpower come with a, some kind of natural food-based substance like beet flow like we're using. So um, for some people, they may have a hard time fixing this if they're still taking birth control or some type of medication that is 
uh, adjusting hormone levels in a way that it would raise estrogen, like some things do. Um, another way, though, that estrogen can go higher is stress in your life, because that can raise stress hormones like estrogen, um, or stress within your body. A lot of times, if a person has really low blood pressure and they don't have a lot of nutrients and minerals in the system and all that stuff working correctly, then their their body's going to kind of freak out and be like, hey, we need more stuff. And so the body will raise stress hormones in an effort to um, get the body to function correctly. And then that raise in stress hormones, especially estrogen, can thicken up the bile and it, it won't flow as well. So stress in your life or just stress that the body is dealing with from a lack of nutrients. You know, your body needs all these minerals and nutrients just to have these daily functions happen. And so when those are missing, it's like you trying to pay $800 worth of bills with 12 bucks. You know, that's stressful. So the body is stressing out due to the lack of resources available. And the funny thing is that those lack of resources is usually due to digestion not working correctly and your inability to pull nutrients out of the food that you're eating. So you get kind of caught in this catch-22, catch-20. I don't remember what it is. It's 2020, so I don't remember what 20s that we use for things because everything 2020 is just bad now. So, um, But the catch-22 thing. Um, you get stuck in this cycle of, well, I, I don't have digestion working correctly because my body's stressed out. My body's stressed out because I don't have digestion working correctly and I can't get the nutrients in the body that the body needs. So you can kind of get stuck in this vicious cycle. Um, another thing seems to be grains and processed foods have the ability to thicken up bile. So a lot of people, you know, we eat a lot of that stuff every day and it's thickening up our bile so it doesn't flow as well. There's also an imbalance called a catabolic imbalance that we teach about in our books and courses that if you have a severe catabolic imbalance, that can really thicken up bile so it won't flow as correctly. So improving that imbalance can help some things. But Bree, beyond that, you want to start looking at those markers that we talked about before. Like, is it, you know, loose stool, light colored stool, is a slight please below 6.5, you know, all those things, acne, weight gain, nausea, all those things, we just kind of want to start watching them and, and do they improve? And it seems like I remember that Brie had some uh, IBS or Crohn's issues and with a severe loose stool issue, a person will often take a medication to help improve that but the medication is not improving the actual underlying cause. A lot of times the chronic diarrhea is from the bile is not flowing, so the acid product keeps moving through the system and it starts to digest the intestinal tract, so the body's like, get this stuff out of here, and it comes screaming out the back door and it lifts us off the toilet like a rocket. So um, in those scenarios, the loose stool is caused by a lack of bile flow, and the medications just turn off the body's reaction, but they don't fix the bile flow issue. So it's not actually fixing the problem. So you would want to be able to uh, not have loose stool issues and not need the medication to stop that. And then you would know that you fixed your bile flow issue. So that's a tricky situation. You know, you'd have to work with your doctor as far as, you know, reducing your medication and seeing how that goes. And then can I wean off of it? And uh, if you do and then everything is going great, then you know that you fixed that bile flow issue. Now, there are other causes of chronic diarrhea like food sensitivity issues and a, 
a catabolic imbalance. So it's not just a bile flow issue, but if bile was the problem and you can no longer need those meds, uh, then you know that you fixed the bile flow issue. So as far as uh, do I need to keep taking B flow? Well, what in your life could contribute to thickening the bile? You know, which of those things do you still do? Are you still eating um, processed foods or grains? If that's the case, then you would probably want to at least use beet flow occasionally or if any signs started to show that you might not be flowing as quickly. But the main thing is that if you do still need HCL, you absolutely want to take beet flow without question. And uh, the reason we say that is because some people will, in their life will have a duodenal ulcer. And what that is, is the duodenum is the first few inches of the small intestine, right? When the food leaves the stomach, it goes into the duodenum. And then that's where the bile comes down and neutralizes that acid. So if the bile is not flowing correctly, that's how people create duodenal ulcers. That means that their stomach is acidifying the food and the acid food leaves the stomach but it doesn't get neutralized. So it just starts to eat away at that lining in the duodenum. It starts to digest it basically, and then it creates an open wound, and that's how that person gets an ulcer. So that's a painful situation. That's not something that a person wants, and people experience that in their life because a lot of people have their stomach acid working and no bile flow, and they, they can create a duodenal ulcer. So just because you're taking steps to improve stomach acid, we just want to make sure that you're taking steps to make sure bile is flowing too so that you don't create a duodenal ulcer or loose stool diarrhea type issues. So it's just not worth it. So if you're using HCL, just use beet flow too. It's just, it's just a precaution that you want to do just to make sure things are going correctly. Once you don't need HCL anymore and your body's making enough of its own HCL, um, then you can test out, test out going without beet flow and see does the stool get looser, does... Uh, does it get lighter in color? Am I, am I having skin or acne issues? You know, all those things. Um, does my saliva pH glow below 6.5? That's when we want to start saying, okay, I do need to continue taking beet flow, so I'm just going to keep doing that. Does that make sense? I hope that made some sense. Okay, here's a question from Carly. And she says, I used to think I may not need beet flow because I leaned on the side of constipation. But yesterday you told me my saliva pH was a sign of needing uh, bile flow to be better. Why is that? Also, I know burping can have to do with critters being in your tummy and expelling gas. When I burp after drinking non-carbonated liquid, is this related to critters or, or could it just be air? You know, and some people will burp some just because of the placement of their esophagus on the stomach. You know, that's a different genetic thing. Um, and some people will burp because of that. You know, if you're drinking carbonated water, that can certainly make us burp. But for most people, especially um, if they're leaning towards constipation, that's a really strong sign that you likely don't have sufficient stomach acid. Now, there's other causes of constipation, like an anabolic imbalance that we talk about in our books and courses. Um, that can cause constipation by sending too much of the body's water to through the kidneys and not to the bowel, so the stool gets hard. But most people with constipation, especially if they're burping, um, are they don't have enough stomach acid. So the stool is not acidic enough to move at a nice pace. When the stool gets too alkaline, it will uh, slow down, and then a person will be constipated. So um, that's 
usually a sign that, yeah, you don't have enough stomach acid. And when you don't have, have enough stomach acid, bacteria will come into the system that comes into our food and in the air. and We just get bacteria in us. So that stomach acid is the barrier that keeps it from going into the body. It, it fries it all and kills it. So when you don't have enough stomach acid, critters will set up camp in your stomach. And then the waste from that bacteria is often alkaline, making the stomach even more alkaline and making it even harder to break your food down. So, and then we really get constipated. So you're right to think, oh, well, maybe I don't want to use beet flow and make my bile thinner because I'm already constipated. Because if you improve bile flow before you improve the acid side of the situation and you're a person that deals with chronic constipation, you could magnify the constipation by making the stool more alkaline. Does that make sense? So if your bile's not flowing and uh, you improve stomach acid, now you have an acidic product leaving the stomach um, and now it might start moving through the system a little faster. But if you haven't improved the stomach acid and you improve the bile side, now the bile will drop down uh, and it's making the stool even more alkaline and it'll slow it down even more. But so we like to see people start to correct the constipation first and then once things start to move, that's when you want to start improving bile flow. And just understand that, oh, I might improve it so much then I might lean towards the constipation again. And, and that's okay as long as you continue to take steps to you know, get rid of all the bacteria in the stomach and uh, acidify the stool and, and get that moving again. Does that make sense? Um, so the reason that uh, saliva pH goes below 6.5 is it, it appears to do that just when the system is toxic. And <clears throat> when bile is not flowing correctly, then the system becomes toxic because the bile is the main exit strategy for filth in the body. So that can be pretty common. Now, if someone's on a lot of medications, uh, medications work by overwhelming the liver a little bit so they can stay in the system and do their job. So then the liver doesn't work as well at removing filth from the body. So the system can become toxic if someone's on multiple medications as well. And so they may take steps to improve bile flow and they may improve it but their saliva pH may not come up if you're on multiple medications. So just understand that you, the, the system is just going to be too toxic from all those meds for the saliva pH to really come up. So don't think that you're broken and that you didn't fix it if all the other signs are that bile is moving better. So just you can keep an eye on it that way. But anyways, Carly, that's why that's a sign of poor bile flow when saliva pH is below uh, 6.5. We really want to do a lot of people when they do a beet flow flush, if their saliva pH is low, they'll see that start to come up the next day. So when you do that, you know, that's a really great sign that you took some good steps and that that was starting to work in the right direction. Let's talk about a few things that can come up because when people start using HCL, there's a lot of trouble that can come up and the more trouble you have when you're starting HCL, those are usually the folks that need HCL the most. Like they really need the most help um, and they'll just see a lot of trouble. And so we did a whole episode about that. So if you have trouble uh, starting HCL and you're having like, you know, acid reflux or more bloating or nauseous and all these things, um, then you would want to read that episode and you can find it at kickitnaturally.com forward slash episode 312. So 312. Or you can just go to kickitnaturally.com and just search for trouble starting HCL. I'm looking at my four-year-old outside my office window. Um, okay, so 
that's pretty common when people really need ACL to see trouble. Now, it's really rare for someone to have troubles starting beat flow just because beat flow is so gentle and it's just not, you know, you can take four every 30 minutes for two hours. That's a lot of capsules to take um, and it's not going to cause any problem just because it's a, you know, it's a food-based thing. It's not really problematic. But if a person is really toxic and bile has been backed up for a really long time, when they start to take beet flow, if they get bile moving again, too many of these backed up toxins could come out at once and kind of overwhelm the system to where the body's going to be like, I, I can't deal with all this. I got to get some of this stuff out of here. So in those cases, the person could feel a little nauseous um, or even more common is that they'll see some type of skin reaction, like a rash or itchy skin type of thing where they'll break out. And what's happening is that the body can't filter out all these toxins fast enough. So it's like, I'm just going to push it out through the skin. And as it pushes these toxins out through the skin, then it can get clogged up in the pores. And then that creates, you know, acne or some type of rash or kind of skin situation. So if this happens to you, or if it happens when you do a beat flow flush and really get things moving, then it's probably not that you're allergic to beet flow. I mean, certainly having an allergic reaction to anything is, is humanly possible. It's just not something that we see. Um, but it's very possible to have too much filth come out at once and then your body trying to get rid of it. So if that happens, then just slow down on the beet flow. Whatever you're taking, take less. Um, and if you qualify, increase your water intake because that'll help the body wash out some of this filth. Now, if your blood pressure is super low, you don't want to drink a gallon of water because you're going to wash out the small amount of minerals that you have too. But certainly in this situation, an increase in water intake could be helpful and is probably going to help you wash out some of that filth. So if you have a reaction like that to taking beet flow, then just slow down, whatever it is. I've even seen people that had to open up the capsule and dump out half of it and start with just half a capsule and just do that slowly for a few days as they start to get the bile flowing very slowly and allow some of this filth to start to move out. So that can be something that you have to look at. Excuse me. Bone broth is delicious. Um, if you have trouble when you're first starting out. Again, it's very rare, but if this is you, these are steps that you can take. So uh, Jody asked, uh, can you or, or do you take HCL and beet flow together? at the same time. So HCL you need to take in the middle of your meal. You want to chase it with at least one bite of food because you just don't want a capsule to get stuck in your esophagus. If it gets stuck there and dissolves there, then that's going to feel like heartburn because it's going to be acid dissolving in your stomach. I mean, in your esophagus. That doesn't belong there. So we like to see people take HCL in the middle of the meal. Now, beet flow, most people will just take before their meal with any other supplements they're going to take with their meal just because it's easy to remember. But beet flow can be taken at any time. It really doesn't matter when you take beet flow because, like, for instance, HCL works with that meal. Like, it's acidifying that meal as you eat it. But beet flow works over the long term. It's just helping you to thin the bile so that the bile can drop down at the appropriate time after a meal that's the body's going to do that. Beet flow is not signaling the body to drop bile for that meal. That's not how it's working. So 
If a person, you know, took all of their beat flow away from their meals, they could still, that could still work fine. And that's still okay. Um, we have people that have had like, you know, a stomach surgery where their stomach is really small and they can't handle all these capsules at once. So they'll take their beat flow away from their food and then the HCL with their food if they need HCL. So just know that you can take beet flow at any time. And, you know, if, you, if you're using beet flow regularly and you go out to eat and you brought your HCL but you forgot your beet flow, you can probably still take the HCL uh, if that's something that you're already doing regularly anyways because you don't need the beet flow with that meal. It just needs to be um, kind of consistently taken. I hope that makes sense. So that's kind of how we look at the timing of those things. Um, Joyce says, if I eat a meal that has no direct protein in it, i.e. no meat, do I still take the HCL and beet flow? I had read somewhere in the past you should only take HCL with meat, but I don't think I've seen direct mention of that in your materials. And yeah, that's kind of how we have people do it too. We like to see people, like if you're just going to have a snack uh, of some fruit or something like that, you wouldn't take HCL because your body doesn't need HCL to break down, you know, carbs or, or fructose and fruit and stuff like that. You need HCL to break down protein. And even if you drank like a shake with protein in it, that protein is already broken down. So you wouldn't need HCL for that meal. And if you have a meal with a very small amount of HCL, uh, I think we were talking, maybe it was Carly we were talking about this with today, I can't remember. Um, but you, you may not need as high of a dose of HCL. But a lot of people, you know, if they have a bacterial overgrowth that they're dealing with, um, they could take 5-HCL. And that 5-HCL, because of the waste product from the bacteria in your stomach is neutralizing that acid, those 5-HCL may only be as effective as one or none even. So um, in that case, uh, we like to see people use a smaller dose if they have a, just a little bit of protein in the meal. But if someone has a, a bacterial overgrowth and their stomach is neutralizing a lot of that HCL, those people are still going to be able to take the full dose of 5-HCL with a meal with a small amount of protein and it's not going to bother them. Um, for people who are making some stomach acid on their own and their stomach is uh, acidifying correctly with those 5-HCL, if you take a meal with a much smaller amount of protein, like maybe you just had like one egg or something like that, an egg is easier to break down than like a steak, then 5-HCL may make you feel uncomfortable. Um, you may need to add more protein in there to make that feel okay. So then you'll know, okay, next time I need to use less HCL with a, with a meal with this amount of protein in it. But um, for the most part, yeah, if you're not going to have protein, we just skip the HCL. Again, beet flow is fine because you can take beet flow whenever you want. So you can do that with any type of meal. Okay, Sunny says, I'm still working out my digestive issues, days of constipation followed by days of liquid. I'm trying to find my magnesium malate balance, but I may need to address other things. Uh, Going to get some D-limonene and stuff. Yeah, when we're seeing it go back and forth like that between constipation and diarrhea, it usually means that both sides of digestion uh, need to be improved. And I remember Sunny talking about that uh, she had a major anabolic imbalance, which can create constipation. And when that's the case, magnesium malate can be really helpful by making the person less anabolic. And that's why high doses of magnesium can create constipation because it, it's telling the body send the water to the bowels and then if it sends too much water there, it gets too loose. So a person has to really find the right magnesium balance, but they likely also need to improve the stomach acid 
um, or wipe out a bacterial overgrowth so that you don't need so much magnesium to get the stool to move. If the, the food is acidifying correctly, then it'll be more acidic and it'll move at a nice pace and you won't need that big magnesium boost and you won't have to go back and forth like that. So yes, if, you, uh, if you're up to a full dose of HCL and you're still having constipation issues, then you might want to take some steps to wipe out that bacteria overload uh, that may be in your stomach. So D-limonene is excellent for doing this. Um, it's basically an orange peel extract and uh, it helps to wipe out bacteria in the stomach for a lot of types of bacteria. If it's a really aggressive type of bacteria like H. pylori or something, the person is usually going to need more things like uh, a product we call, uh, in, it's called intestable and they may need to take other steps as well. Um, but for a lot of bacteria, just D-limonene every other day in the morning, just uh, 1,000 milligrams is great. Uh, and a lot of people will see success with that and improvement after between 5 to 10 of those doses. And uh, as long as they're also acidifying the stomach with HCL and, and doing that. You know, another thing, Sunny, is that you may want to try some ascorbic acid, like 1,000 milligrams before breakfast and lunch. And that can help acidify the stool and get it moving a little bit better without that huge magne magnesium dump that you're needing to get it moving. So it might uh, help the acidifying side of things in your intestinal tract, not just your stomach, but in the intestinal tract as well, and that can help things, kind of get things moving along as well too. So I hope this is helpful. We'll do more live videos like this in the, in the KIY group here, and you guys can answer questions as we're going along and stuff like that. And uh, we'll hit other topics as well too. But um, if you have any other questions about these things, you can uh, just go under uh, this video and, and ask your questions and we'll follow up with that stuff there too. Okay, we'll talk to you guys soon. Cool.